Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading today from a book called The Private Key to Heaven. It was written by Thomas Brooks. That was the English nonconformist preacher and writer who died in 1680. Thomas Brooks, The Private Key to Heaven. He's talking about people who have the Holy Spirit and how they know they have the Holy Spirit. And it's the seventh item in that series. Seventhly, the people of God first or last, are sealed by the Spirit, in whom, after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The nature of sealing consists in the imparting of the image or character of the seal to the thing sealed. To seal a thing is to stamp the character of the seal on it. Now the Spirit of God doth really and effectually communicate the image of God to us, which image consists in righteousness and true holiness. Then are we truly sealed by the Spirit of God when the Holy Ghost stamps the image of grace and holiness so obviously, so evidently, upon the soul as that the soul sees it, feels it, and can run and read it. Then the soul is sealed by the Holy Spirit. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption, Ephesians 4.30. The person of the Holy Ghost is here set forth in the Greek with a very great energy, such as our tongue is not able to express. Here are three words that have three articles. Every word has several article by itself. The Spirit, not a Spirit and not holy, but the holy, and not of God, but of that God, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. In these scriptures, you see that the Spirit is a seal. Now, a seal among men is first for secrecy, secondly, for distinction, thirdly, for authority, fourthly, for certainty, a writing that is sealed is authentic. And fifthly, for ensuring. In the three texts last cited, if you compare them together, you may observe these six things. First, the person sealing, that is the Father. Secondly, in whom, that's in Christ. Thirdly, with what seal, the Spirit of promise. There are all the persons in the Trinity making us sure of our inheritance. Fourthly, when after you believed. Fifthly, the end, which is twofold, uh, subordinate, and that's the certainty of our salvation, and ultimate, that's the praise of his glory. Sixthly, the time, how long this seal and earnest shall assure us, and that is until we have the complete possession of what it is in earnest. Now, to prevent mistakes and disputes about the sealings of the Spirit on the one hand, and to support, comfort, and encourage the poor people of God on the other hand, let me briefly hint at the Spirit's special sealing times. First, conversion times are often the Spirit's sealing times. Upon the prodigal's return, the fatted calf is killed, and the best robe is put upon his back, and the ring is put upon his hand and shoes on his feet. Some, by the robe, understand the royalty of Adam, others the righteousness of Christ, 
And by the ring, some understand the pledges of God's love, rings being given as pledges of love. And by the ring, others understand the seal of God's Holy Spirit. Men using the seal with their rings. Among the Romans, the ring was an ensign of virtue, honor, and nobility, whereby they that wore them were distinguished from the common people. I think the main thing intended by the robe and the ring is to show us that God sometimes, upon the sinner's conversion and returning to him, is graciously pleased to give him some choice manifestations of his gracious pleasure and goodwill, and to seal up to him his everlasting love and favor. And hence it comes to pass that some that are but babies in Christ are so diligent and active in religious duties, and so conscientious and dexterous in the exercise of their graces. At first conversion, God helps some of his people to read their own names written in legible letters in the book of life. No sooner are some converted, but the Spirit stamps his seal upon them. Secondly, believing times are sealing times. When they were in the very exercise of their faith, when they were acting of their faith, uh, for so much the original imports, the Spirit came and sealed them up to the day of redemption. He that honors Christ by frequent actings of faith on him, him will Christ honor by setting his seal and mark upon him. Thirdly, humbling times, mourning times are, are sealing times. When a holy man was asked which were the joyfulest days, the most comfortable days that ever he enjoyed, he answered his mourning days. His mourning days were his joyfulest days, and therefore he cried out, Oh, give me my mourning days, M-O-U-R-N. Give me my mourning days, for they were my joyfulest days. Those were days wherein God sealed up his everlasting love to his soul. When the prodigal had greatly humbled himself before his father, then the best robe and ring were put upon him. There are none that long for the sealings of the Spirit like humble souls, nor do any set so high a price upon the sealings of the Spirit as humble souls, nor do any make so choice an improvement of the sealings of the Spirit as humble souls. And therefore, when men's hearts are humble and low, the Spirit comes and sets the private seal of heaven upon them. Fourthly, sin-killing, sin-mortifying, sin-subduing times are the Spirit's sealing times. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, that no man knows, saving he that receiveth it. God will give to the victorious Christian a secret love token, whereby his soul may rest assured of the unspeakable love of God and of its freedom from condemnation. White stones were of very great use among the Romans and among the Athenians, and served to acquit the accused in courts of justice. When malefactors were accused, arraigned, and condemned by their courts, they gave them a black stone in token of condemnation. But when they were acquitted, they gave them white stones in token of absolution. The Holy Ghost seems to allude to this practice. 
He that is victorious over his lusts shall have a new name that is better than the names of sons and daughters, and he shall have the pardon of his sins written in fair letters upon the white stone, so that he may run and read his absolution. The victorious Christian shall have assurance of the full discharge of all his sins. He shall have clear evidence of his justification and blessed assurance of his eternal election, all which are hidden and mysterious things to all but those that have experienced and tasted what these sweet foods of heaven mean. Among the Romans there were solemn feasts held in honor of those that were victorious in their sacred games. Now those that were to be admitted to those feasts were wont to have their names written on white shells and white stones. By these tickets they were admitted. Now some think the Holy Ghost alludes to this practice, and so would hint to us a private mark whereby victorious Christians may be known and admitted as bidden guests to the heavenly banquet of the hidden manna, according to Revelation 19.9. O sirs, when predominant lusts are brought under, when bosom sins lie slain in the soul, then the Spirit comes and seals up love and life and glory to the soul. Fifthly, suffering times are sealing times. The primitive Christians found them so, and the suffering saints in the Marian days, that's the reign of Catholic Queen Mary, known as Bloody Mary, found them so also. When the furnace is seven times hotter than ordinary, the Spirit of the Lord comes and seals up a man's pardon in his bosom, and his peace with God, and his title to heaven. When the world frowns most, then God smiles most. When the world puts their iron chains upon the saints' legs, then God puts his golden chains about the saints' necks. When the world puts a bitter cup into one hand, the Lord puts a cup of consolation into the other hand. When the world cries out, Crucify them! Crucify them! Then commonly they hear that sweet voice from heaven, These are my beloved ones, in whom I am well pleased. Blessed Bradford, looked upon his sufferings as an evidence to him that he was in the right way to heaven. And saith Ignatius, it is better for me to be a martyr than to be a monarch. Sixthly, self-denying times are the Spirit's sealing times. First, there is sinful self, which takes in a man's lusts. Secondly, there is natural self, which takes in a man's arts and parts and gifts with reason. Thirdly, there is religious self, which takes in all a man's religious duties and services, whether ordinary or extraordinary. Fourthly, there is moral self, which includes a freedom from gross, heinous, enormous wickednesses, and a fair, sweet, harmless behavior towards men. Fifthly, there is relative self, which takes in our nearest and dearest relations in the flesh, as wife children, father, mother, brothers, sisters, and so on. Now, when a man comes thus universally to deny himself for Christ's sake and the gospel's sake and religion's sake, then the Spirit of the Lord comes and seals him up unto the day of redemption. This is a truth confirmed by the experiences of many martyrs now in heaven and by the testimony of many Christians 
still alive. Seventhly, sacrament times are sealing times. In that feast of fat things, Isaiah 25, 6, God by his spirit seals up his love to his people and his covenant to his people and pardon of sin to his people and heaven and happiness. And there are many precious souls that have found Christ in this ordinance. And when they could not find him in other ordinances, though they have sought him sorrily, in this ordinance, many a distressed soul hath been strengthened, comforted, sealed. I might give you many instances. Take just one for all. There was a gracious woman who, after God had filled her soul with comfort, and sealed up his everlasting love to her, fell under former fears and trouble of spirit. And being at the Lord's Supper, a little before the bread was administered to her, Satan seemed to appear to her, told her that she should not presume to eat. But at that very nick of time, the Lord was pleased to bring into her mind that passage in the canticle, Song of Solomon's, Eat, O Friends. But notwithstanding this, Satan still continued terrifying of her, and when she had eaten, he told her that she should not drink. But then the Lord brought that second clause of the verse to her remembrance, Drink, yea, drink abundantly. O beloved, or my loves, as the Hebrew has it, all faithful souls are Christ's loves. And so she drank, and presently was filled with such unspeakable joys, that she hardly knew how she got home, which soul-ravishing joys continued for a fortnight, two weeks after, and filled her mouth with songs of praise, so that she could neither sleep nor eat more than she forced herself to do out of conscience of duty. At the fortnight's end, when God was pleased to abate her measure of joy, she came to a settled peace of conscience and assurance of the love of God so that for twenty years after she had not so much as a cloud upon her spirit or the least questioning of her interest in Christ. Eighthly, when God calls his people to some great and noble work, when he puts them upon some high services, some difficult duties, some holy and eminent employments, then his spirit comes and sets his seal upon them. Before I formed thee in the belly, God says to Jeremiah, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee to be a prophet unto the nations. The Lord, sending the prophet Jeremiah to denounce most dreadful judgments against a rebellious people, an impudent, brazen-faced nation, he assures him of his eternal election and of his choice presence and singular assistance in that work that he set him about. Thus the Lord dealt with Peter, James, and John, and thus he dealt with Paul. Ninthly, when they are taken up into more than ordinary communion with God, then is the Spirit's sealing time. When was it that the spouse cried out, My beloved is mine, and I am his, but when Christ brought her to his banqueting house, and his banner over her was love. Well, there are more of these. That was only the first nine. We'll go to more of them next time around. And on to that fourth objection, finally. These are objections to people saying, I can't pray, I just can't pray in private, I don't have time or whatever. And uh, he continues to answer those objections. That's Thomas Brooks. 
Thank you for listening. Do look around the site. Many audios there. Some of the church's great preachers, North Korea stories, Bible studies, a blog. There are books at Amazon.com. And details about our Saturday evening Zoom meeting for men and Tuesday noon meeting for men and women. That's at bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com. Thank you so much again. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun, and this audio is being released on the 28th of April, 2023. Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.